Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm blessed. Thank you. It's uh, been a good week. I, I uh, was presenting in Little Rock day before yesterday, uh, a state school safety conference and uh, headed out again next week to uh, a long series of plays, two days in Arizona and then Springfield, Missouri, and then two days in uh, uh, Florida and then uh, West Virginia, and then home. So <laughs> things are good. What's the latest in your world? What do you have going on? Tell me about well, it. Well, you know what? Your schedule sounds like mine. Praise and God. it makes me so happy to know that you are out there spreading your message and that people are listening. It's love, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny because that's my trademark. Uh, I, I use these big markers and the big easels. They're graffiti markers. They fill up the page and afterwards you know i have people come up and i sign it for them and this one i just did and after i was done people waited until the crowd went away then three different people asked me to make one for them <laughs> you know? and, and, and it, these 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 things that i do i've got a sheepdog one and others but uh three different times they've gone up for charity auction it's charity auction right but every time they make more than 200 bucks so i tell them i'm not even dead yet my art's worth money but but the point of my little studio here is you know the the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. What we think of instruments as war. In spiritual battle, we win by saving lives. You know, we win by saving them. And our and our our mission, our our utmost mission, our, our baseline mission can be said in four words: love God, love people. You know, to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, might, and soul, and love others as yourself. And uh, and what I tell people is, and these are things you know we can plug into the presentation. Is uh, I open my my presentation by saying, what's the opposite of evil? The opposite of evil is love. Because evil is the absence of love, just as darkness is the absence of light. Not only is evil is love the absence of evil, but it's the opposite of fear. The Bible tells us that uh, we were not given a spirit of fear, but of sound mind and of love. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And, and, uh, and God is love, and all love comes from God. And so, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the theme that I, I, I work my stuff around. It's, you know, on killing, on combat, but the whole goal is to save lives. And, to, and that, you know, what greater love is this, that somebody laid down their life for their friends. There's many ways to lay down your life. But what kind of people will lay down their life for strangers? What kind of people will die for people they've never met? And really, when we talk about our first responders, that's what they're doing. They're going out laying their life on the line for, for strangers, for people they've never met. What manner of love is this? So uh, that's kind of the, the theme. That One of the things I'd like to, to find time for and to fit in primarily, uh, the way we can prevent suicide and, and prevent traffic deaths, uh, and two major killers of our kids and, and our cops, is, uh, is this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. We're being blindsided by the sleep deprivation. And uh, the, 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 the addictive video games are intentionally putting in a state where you're not capable of keeping track of time. Uh, we, we talk about the, uh, uh, about, you know, the internet never sleeps, social media all night long, uh, and then, you know, binge watching TV shows. And what this sleep deprivation does, it impairs judgment. It makes you stupid. Uh, military research tells us sleep-deprived soldiers can be up to five times more likely to take their life. The link between suicide and sleep deprivation is overwhelming. People don't know. 
And, and then the link between sleep deprivation and traffic deaths, two major causes of death that have exploded worldwide, suicide and traffic deaths. But then the opiate epidemic, why opiates? Prescription opiates have always been there. Why are they their drug of choice? Well, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. The tendons and muscles never get a chance to fully relax. You know, I, I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix. You don't need a pill, you need more sleep. I need to knock off the caffeine shortly after lunch to stop you from getting deep cycle sleep. And so this global epidemic of caffeine abuse, these mega doses of caffeine we're putting in our body, the sleep deprivation, uh, and it's a key factor in obesity and heart disease, and the data is there as well. So when we look around the world at these, 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 these epidemics, our heart disease, obesity, uh, especially suicide and traffic deaths, and opiate overdoses, there's one common theme, but it, you know, Facebook is never going to say you've been online for 36 hours. You need to go get some sleep. They'll never do that. You know that the head of Netflix has said that their number one competitor is not other online providers. Their number one competitor is sleep. So the corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. They don't care that it's killing you. They just want to sell their product. And and so and the video game industry are never going to say you've been playing this game for 48 hours straight. You need to go get some sleep now. They'll never do that. And so this industry just wants to sell their product and they're killing us and they're killing our children. Uh, and so, you know, Melanie Hemp and, uh, and, uh, Hemp and, and her, uh, you know, is, is a great network to help us with that dynamic. But I, I believe in one area we don't have the data for, but I'd leave without a doubt the sleep deprivation is a key factor in, in most of these mass murders. Uh, this impaired judgment, this separation from reality lays a foundation that makes people, people just like suicide. I mean, you, you, every living creature will fight desperately to preserve its life. The drive for self-preservation is woven into every microorganism. You have to have profoundly impaired judgment to take your own life. In the same way, you have to have profoundly impaired judgment to take other people's lives in this terrible criminal action. Mm -hmm. and, and it all comes back to, to loving ourselves and giving ourselves time to sleep and caring for our body. So, so yes. that's- Yes, and, and I hope you don't mind, but I'm gonna say that we've already started because yes. everything that you've said is just I, I know, so I know. profound and it's so yeah. incredibly important. It can be an outline for what we talk about today, but this is just, you know, going to be so amazing. And all of the Choose Love followers, they see you and they see love in the background and they hear about your background. And it's like, how did the two intersect? And I, and I love you explaining that. I'm going to give a really quick introduction uh, for those listening. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is an author and trainer of the psychology of lethal force. Following his retirement from the Army, Grossman founded the Killology Research Group to give seminars about the physiological and the psychological effects of having to use lethal force for law enforcement officers and soldiers. And he also speaks with civilians on ways to reduce violence in society and deal with the aftermath of violent events such as school shootings uh, and, of course, I'm, I have dedicated my life, as you know, for the last nine and a half years since Jesse was murdered at Sandy Hook alongside 19 of his first grade classmates and six educators, keeping our kids safe because I knew that that was preventable. And, uh, and actually, Jesse himself gave me the direction 
in, in what to focus on with his chalkboard message of nurturing, healing love. I just knew that if this shooter, Adam Lanza, had been able to give and receive love, the tragedy would never have happened. It was so simple. Simple isn't necessarily easy, but then I just struck out on a journey to make the ability to thoughtfully respond and to choose love available for everyone. So I'm just so happy, um, really honored to have you here with us today and appreciate all of your incredible intelligence sharing with us. And, you know, we're going to talk about all of it. And, and especially, you know, we're going in right now to this time where everybody's going back to school, thinking about it. All I'm hearing is, uh, is that people are anxious and worried. Uh, that, that's from educators to parents with, with students. Um, I was just at a superintendent's meeting and they said one of the number one questions they get asked is, uh, as, as they're hiring superintendents across the country, will my family be safe here? And uh, wow, because that takes us all the way back to the very basics. I mean, if we're worried about our safety, there are a lot of other things that are going unattended. We're in our, we're in our freeze fight or flight brain. We're not in our logic and reasoning. And I think that we are seeing the results and the outcomes of that across the country. We read about it every single day, which then perpetuates this, this feeling of anxiety and fear. And, and, you know, it's, I, I mean, it's never been like this in my lifetime. And I know that you've said that we're just in a, we're in a difficult place. I obviously want to leave everyone with hope and I have a lot of hope. Uh, but, uh, but let's just kind of weave our way through everything that's going on. And most probably importantly, what people can do when you take personal responsibility for what's going on in your own life and your world, it actually feels better. And so I know that there's a lot that we can do and a lot, and, and, and you're a perfect person to direct us in this. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, interesting. You mentioned that Jesse was murdered. And you know, uh, our language has a lot of, of to do with, with where we put ourselves. We, we talk about a shooting. Well, shooting is an Olympic sport. You know, sh shooting baskets makes millions of dollars. You know, shooting a movie makes a, an Oscar, you know. Uh, in every other context, shooting, you know, in movies, cowboys and soldiers shoot, and it's, you know, brave and courageous. These are, these are murders. And we can't even use that word. Uh, I've got a new book coming out. Um, um, I did my, my book uh, on spiritual combat was Christian book. I have it. I have it by yeah. my bedside. <laughs> the sequel is on spiritual warfare. And, and we talk about an old scholarly article about these mass murders and how we, we use terminology that, 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 uh, that inspires them to replicate these crimes instead of, but they never want to use the word murder massacre, mass murder, slaughter. They just call it shooting over and over again. And, and they never confront the magnitude of the evil and this denial. You know what? It's so interesting that you say that because I remember my first interview that I did, I'm standing in my mom's kitchen and she's listening as I'm talking to whoever. And I get off the phone and she says, uh, you said murder. And that's such a tough word. Could you say something else? 
And I just got angry at that moment. I'm like, what would you like for me to say? Would you like for me to say I lost him? We didn't lose him. Would you like me to say he died? He didn't just die. People die, but he was murdered. And I know I said, we have to say what's actually happening. And it's hard to hear. And love empowers us to confront that evil. You know, they, they, I, I open my presentations by asking my audience, well, what is the opposite of evil? And, and the opposite of evil is love. Uh, evil is the absence of love, just as darkness is the absence of light. And we defeat evil with love. And the first step is to con- confront the reality of what we're facing. Now, you were talking about people fearful for their safety. Um, I, I, one of the things we need to understand is medical technologies holding down the murder rate. Uh, Every day, docs are saving a life that just a week ago, they wouldn't have been able to save. Uh, Tourniquets alone, you know, we found out on the battlefield, the number one cause of death was bleeding out from extremities. We gave everybody in the battlefield tourniquets, taught them how to use it, and we cut loss of life on modern combat to a fraction of what it otherwise be. Today, every cop carries a tourniquet, EMS fire civilians, and if, if cops slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life, you prevented a murder. So we've got one good solid data point. A, a UMass Harvard study in, the, in a major peer-reviewed journal came out in 2002, tells us between the 1960s and the 1990s, medical technology cut the murder rate to a third or quarter would otherwise be. That is, compare the murders between the 60s and the 90s. We've got to multiply the murders in the 90s by a factor of three or four. And then the leaps and bounds of medical technology since the 90s are are just astounding. So with all that said, then, the highest annual increase in homicides we've ever seen was 12% one year in the 1960s. In 2020, we saw a 30% annual increase in homicides. And so compared to the 60s, what, that's like three times worse? No, if we allow for medical technology, it's 10 times worse than anything we've ever seen before. The wheels are coming off the bus and people have this intuitive sense that the things are wrong. Things are very bad. Yeah. And and, and it comes back to the evil that we feed to our children. Uh, My book, Assassination Generation, which we we talked about up front, I was invited to the White House as part of President Trump's roundtable on violent video games. Uh, the video game industry is just so evil. In, in, in 2005, it's, it's all in the book, in 2005, the state of California overwhelmingly passed legislation regulating children's access to violent video games. The data was so overwhelming. The home of Hollywood, the home of Silicon Valley, overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to these violent murder simulators. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor. He signed the law. He said, I make violent movies. I protect my kids from those movies. I particularly want to protect children from these violent video games. And the video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court. They said, we have a constitutional First Amendment right to sell any game to any kid at any age. You cannot stop us. You cannot regulate us in any way, shape, or form. And they, they conned seven old men, seven Supreme Court justices that never played Pong in their life in overturning the California law. And they want that to go away. They want to people to, to go down the memory hole. Most people never even heard of that Supreme Court decision. 
This is an incredibly wealthy industry. The one thing these killers have in common are immersing themselves. Uh, a, a great book that recently came out, I read the forward to it, uh, Mike Rock, a, a Supreme, he's a, a Secret Service agent, wrote the book, Mass Killers. I, I told him, I told him, he asked me to write the forward. I said, well, you know, I'm halfway home just with the title. You didn't talk about shooters. You talked about killers. Right, you know? right. And, and, I, uh, and I think for, for our audience to, to explain that these, you called them murder simulators, these video games are literally what our soldiers use to prepare for combat. Combat, it desensitizes them and it helps their shooting skills. Yes. And, uh, and so, but our soldiers obviously have a lot of discipline around them. And they're also taught how to self-regulate, how to yes. turn it off. But our kids are just sitting there for, and, and these, these games, like I was just explaining one to someone and, and people don't have any idea. Uh, I think it's Grand Theft Auto where you, uh, you kill people, but then of course that, that takes your energy down a little bit. So in order to get your energy back up, you buy a hooker and then uh, you, you, it shows, it kind of simulates, you, you put the hooker in a car, the car shakes while you're doing your thing, your, your energy comes back up if you do that, but the way you get your money back is to kill the hooker and then go on and mass murder more people. Our children are playing these games. Yes. So it's yeah. like, it, why, why would we be surprised if we're immersing our kids in violence that they grow up to be mass murderers? You know, uh, my book on killing, my first book came out in 1995. Uh, Amazon's number one bestseller in three different categories this year. Uh, it's uh, half million copies sold worldwide, translated into seven languages. Marine Corps Commandant's required reading list. It's uh, uh, Google Scholar. Yeah, praise <laughs> God. Google Scholar. Uh, go to scholar.google.com. And you can look up any, any work and see how many times it's been cited in other works. And, and this book has been cited over 3,000 times in scholarly works. It's, it's really one of the scholarly works of our time. Uh, I coined the word killology. You know, crimi crimi criminology is not about teaching people to be criminals. Killology is not about teaching people to kill. It's about understanding what enables and restrains killing. Now, the hard thing to explain is not that one in a million terrible crime. But oh, look, with this horrible crime, it proves that mankind is a killer. No, that's an outlier. I mean, of, of, the, of a third of a billion people in our nation, that's the one in, in a third of a billion that you heard about today. You explained to me the 99.9% .9 of our citizens for a lifetime never kill anybody or even seriously attempt to. Explain that. Divorce, infidelity, layoff, traffic accidents. Uh, uh, in a lifetime of provocation, less than one in a thousand citizens will even seriously attempt to take a human life. Explain that. Inside well, most of us. How do you explain that? Well, inside us, there's a powerful set of social, psychological, physiological factors that restrain violence but those factors can be turned off. We learned in World War II, and again, it's in the book, we learned in World War II that only, only about 10, 15, 20% of the soldiers would pull the trigger. They'd be brave, they'd run ammunition, they'd rescue wounded, but, but at the moment of truth, if nobody's standing over their shoulder and making them pull the trigger, they, they wouldn't pull the trigger. 
And it was a training flaw. We taught them to shoot bullseye targets. We have known cases of any bullseyes ever attacking our troops. They've been in the U.S. Armed Forces since the Korean War. You never once shot a bullseye. A man-shaped silhouette pops in field of view. You hit the target, target drops. Stimulus response, stimulus response. It was straight out of B.F. Skinner, operant conditioning, intentionally applied to make killing a condition response. Like a pilot in a flight simulator, like a kid in a fire drill, modern training makes killing a condition response to adults with safeguards of discipline. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, the exact same thing is being done to our kids mm -hmm. with these video games, these murder simulators. Mm -hmm. And so in 1995, I predicted these mass murders were coming. Uh, we know how to empower violence. And the state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to these murder simulators in this evil industry. Uh, they fought all the way to the Supreme Court. And these guys have vast amounts of money. One video game, again, that's out of the book, Assassination Generation. One video game, Grand Theft Auto V, the year it came out, made more money than the entire global music industry. One video game made more money than every rock concert on the planet, every musician, every download on the planet. And it was a cop killing murder simulator. You just described one of the key scenes out of the movie, you know, having sex with the prostitute, rebuild your energy, the murder the prostitute, get your money back, kick her out of the car. Uh, these are evil things in this industry. They don't spend their money on advertisements. They don't spend their money. They spend their money on doing one thing to prevent any regulation, to prevent any negative information about their industry coming out. They, they will just systematically attack. You know, I, I, I've written articles in the Harvard Journal of Law and Public Policy. Uh, I wrote three entries in the Academic Press Encyclopedia of Violence, Peace and Conflict. I got all these books and all this scholarship, but article after article in the national media about this guy who teaches killology to our cops without mentioning my books, without mentioning my scholarship. Well, what kind of journalism is that? But when you start going after the media, they will, they will do everything in their power to take you down. Uh, they will not point the camera back at themselves. They will never accept the harm that's being done. So, if, if, and here's the key thing, if we allow for medical technology, uh, you know, I, I was invited back to the White House to brief Vice President Pence. I gave him a copy of the book. I told him, I told him, just like we have, we have inflation adjusted dollars, we need medically adjusted murders. Well, what if somebody told you, you make $20 an hour, your grandpa made 25 cents an hour, look how good you've got it. But we know the lie. We know about inflation. We understand you got to allow for inflation to compare minimum wage over any period of time in the same way. You've got to allow for medical technology to allow for violence over any period of time. We get it in one sentence, and yet they refuse to do it. I train the FBI. I tell them, guys, you've got to start allowing, and they, yeah, yeah, we know, and then they won't do it. Uh, Fox News, you know, we say, oh, we, you know, I sent in a blast of different emails to every link I could find on Fox News about this medical technology is holding down the murder rate. It's actually worse than it looks. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's orders of magnitude worse than anything we've ever seen. And if we allow for medical technology, basically every year since the mid 1960s, every year without fail, murder has gone up without fail. When we allow for medical technology. Now, President Pence, Vice President Pence, why, pretty smart guy. He said, what about the aggravated assault rate? 
I said, it's too easy to fudge that data. Where do you draw that magic line between ag assault and simple assault? Every cop will tell you, we'll make aggravated assault say whatever you want it to say. But dead is dead. Murder is good data if we allow for medical technology. So we're deceiving ourselves. It's much worse than it looks. But, but how do we defeat evil? With love. Remember, just as, just as, as, as light defeats the darkness, love defeats evil. Evil is the absence of love. And so it's a love for our children that will ultimately be triumphant. Our love for our nation, our love for our God, these are the things that will ultimately be triumphant. And, and we defeat evil with love. And what manner of love is this? That people walk out the door and lay their life down for strangers. That's what cops do. Every day they walk out the door and, and our cops are being attacked. We, in, in, in 2021, we had an all-time record number of cops murdered in the line of duty since we've been keeping track. More cops were murdered as of August last year than all the previous year put together, and that was a bad year. Our cops are being ambushed, murdered, assassinated at levels never seen before. And, and they're just backing off and recruiting is down, retention is down. What happens if nobody wants to be a cop? What happens if nobody wants to do this job? And, and this whole idea that if we empty the prisons and get rid of all the cops, it'll be all better. Who, 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 what sane person could think that? Well, I'll tell you why they could think that. Here, here's the key. When we're two, three, four, five, six years old, our dreams, what we see on TV, movies, real life, are all jumbled together. Even as adults, sometimes we get dreams in real life mixed up. You know, a little while back, my son, he's in his 40s. He asked my wife, he said, uh, did I tell you that or did I just dream it? She said, oh, you must have dreamed it. I don't remember it. You ever been there? As, as adults, well, when children, what children dream, what they see on TV, what they see in the movies and video games, what's in real life is all jumbled together. It's real to them. So in the, there was a code throughout, throughout Hollywood's history from right on up through the early 1960s. Television, Hollywood operated by a code. And the code said, we know the stories we tell have an impact on our society. And we know we have a responsibility to tell stories that have a positive impact. And a lot of the code could be said in three words, crime doesn't pay. Criminals will not be depicted in a positive manner. Law enforcement will not be depicted in a negative manner. And then they turned that on its head in the early 1960s. They threw the code away. They said, we have no responsibility for the stories we tell our children. But the commercials are worth vast amounts of money because they will influence people's behavior. There's a big lie. That commercials were vast amounts of money, but hours and weeks and years of sick stuff fed to your child has no impact on our society. You know, I, I saw an ad, a thing recently where a, guy, a kid learned the Heimlich maneuver from TV. Uh, another article about how a guy learned radio procedures was able to pick up a cop's radio and call in after the cop had been shot because he'd seen, we can learn radio procedures on TV. We can learn the Heimlich maneuver, but what? We don't learn killing. We don't learn slaughter and death through the TV and movie and especially the video games, they will, they refuse to accept any responsibility. They will always desperately point the finger somewhere else. Blame the gun, blame the cops, blame this, blame that. They will never point the finger back at themselves. And so this, this industry is invested in one thing, to keep selling their product. 
My dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. He plunked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of Bull Durham tobacco and rolling papers, rolled his first cigarette, five years old. Hey, candy rots your teeth, right? Cigarettes are good for you. In my classes, I put up an ad, you know, a camel ad that says more doctors smoke camels. And then you got, we got, well, no, dentists smoke viceroys. Well, dentists smoke viceroys. The ad says so. Doctors smoke camels, which is best. They're both bad. They're poison. But the tobacco industry fought tooth and nail, decade after decade, over one thing, to keep selling tobacco to children. We didn't ban tobacco. We ain't got to ban media violence. What we're saying is don't sell this stuff to children. And it's when it's inflicted upon children that they become addicted. It, it's shooting fish in a barrel. They, the, the, the addictive video games, binge watching TV shows uh, on, on internet all night long, addicted to that cell phone all night long. You know, and, and so that- You've got a front row seat to the worst of humanity for the first time ever and our brains have been caught up. And you know, it's interesting, we don't have a TV we haven't for years and so i will occasionally go to someone's house that does have a tv and they are watching and and so i see commercials and what's shown just on a commercial a commercial is you know hopefully we we save the most violent for late night but even what's on a commercial is is really terrifying to somebody that hasn't hasn't been desensitized along the way. I mean, I remember what I was watching growing up. It was Black Beauty. It was uh, uh, Little House on the Prairie. Um, those were my favorite shows. And now, you know, to see what's on TV for our kids and and the sarcasm, the loss of civility. Um, even uh, you know, my my uh, older son knows that I don't like to see violence. I never have. I've never understood scary movies and things like that. So he got me a little coupon to take me to a movie. And uh, he was waiting for one that came that I could literally sit through. And we ended up going to um, this, the new Sandra Bullock movie. Um, I think it's The Lost City or something like that. Oh, and it looks kind of fun. And it's, you know, it's supposed to have a romance in it. Brad Pitt's in it as well. So what, and we're watching it. It's going fine until uh, Brad Pitt gets his head blown off as they're running away from people shooting at them. The blood, uh, the blood in the brains splatter onto uh, one of the actor's shirts. And, 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 and Brad Pitt is this person that this guy had looked up to and kind of idolized, right? And his response was, ew, gross. The guy's brains are all over me. And so, and I, and of course, you know, in my situation, Jesse was shot in the head and you talk about why that is as well. And I look at JT and he looks at me and he's just like, sorry. And it's like such a scene that didn't have to be there. It was disgusting. It was, it, it was so wrong in so many ways. And I think, I think people just kind of, you know, smile and nod and go through it. What, what, what I tell people is your child as an adult will bless you for the TV they couldn't watch. Mm -hmm. No adult has ever said, I curse my parents for the TV I couldn't watch. Mm -hmm. No adult has ever said, I curse my parents for the video games I couldn't play. Every time they say the greatest gift my parents gave me was a, a, a childhood without TV, a childhood without video games. Or my dad cut the power cord 
on the TV on the first day of summer and kicked us out the door. You know, we never had cable TV and my wouldn't, you know, they, they always they'd say it was the greatest gift my parents gave me. I had a childhood. I had a life. They, they, and, and, and today, you know, I, I pass a wonderful, wonderful playground in our little city park on a nice on a nice day. It cooled off. It's a it's a nice day and not a single child out there. Not one. You know, with, with empty playgrounds is a symbol of a sick city. There's there's hundreds of kids who ought to be out in this playground now that are sitting in their home playing video games, watching TV shows when they ought to be out there having a childhood. So the harm that's being done by this industry trying to sell the product to children, that the sleep deprivation is another aspect of what's happening here. And I can't emphasize enough the harm that's being done through sleep deprivation. Do an online search for for global epidemic of sleep deprivation. And and sleep deprivation, the addictive video games, the uh, the binge watching TV shows, uh, you know, and, and then that social media never sleeps, you get an endorphin rush. Well, we know that sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicide. And here's parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No laptop in the room, no television, no video game. They have got to go to the room and sleep. So yeah, even that light, them. that light, or even I remember uh, when when I watch TV, it would flash like this, and I could stay up all night, even if I was tired. Yes. And, yeah. A cop came up to me during the break in one of my presentations. He said, I had a good girl. You said she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. So I said, I trust her. You know, family policy, cell phone goes in the charger, you go to bed. I let her keep her cell phone. He said, a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. He said, and we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And you can't just ignore that. We're not wired that way. He said, it was heartrending to see her up every night, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for her. He says, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented and bullied to death in front of my eyes. And I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? He said, the one thing I could have done for my little girl was take her cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world. Who, who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to make you turn off the bad stuff? Who, who's going to make you get that sleep? The, to, to, you know, the, the best meta study on suicide tells us not only is sleep deprivation a key factor in suicide, it's a key factor in, uh, in, 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 uh, in not in sleep deprivation, is a, a key factor in suicide. It's the most remediable factor. Is the one that if we want to do something about suicide, this is the one we can get a handle on right now. If we really, and suicide has exploded in every nation and every age group around the planet. Mm -hmm. Teenagers, 10, 11, 12 year old, twin age girls suicide rate has tripled per capita in just the last decade. And that was pre-pandemic. During the pandemic, almost all of these problems have, have exploded. Uh, the kids coming back to school now, we're seeing levels of mental illness and that the, the educators are telling me that the kids are coming back they're severely damaged. 
And, and part of that is their sleep schedule and their sleep cycle. And if we want to focus on wellness, the first step, you know, it, 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 I got my degree in counseling en route to teach at West Point. And the first step in counseling is to make sure the body is healthy. Have you gotten enough sleep? Have you had a good meal? Are you hydrated? You cannot do anything else until the body is healthy. If, if you're sleep deprived, until you take care of that, nothing else is going to work. If you're malnourished, if you're, if you're dehydrated, nothing else is going to work until we, the body has to be at a, at a baseline health level before we can take care of the mind. Mm-hmm. And we're in the middle of this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. It's a key factor in suicide. It's a key factor in explosion of traffic deaths. Decade after decade, traffic deaths have come down. Airbags, seatbelts, medical technology. Now around the world, for the last decade, traffic deaths are back up again. What is the new factor? Well, there's a reason why airline pilots and truck drivers are required to log enough sleep. And and then and then we, we, look, I had three teenage boys. Now I got teenage grandchildren. I had three teenage boys, and the number one killer of teenage kids was traffic deaths. It was my number one concern. We didn't have a lot of resources in those days, but we made sure they all had cars with airbags. Two out of three tested those airbags. Nobody ever explained to me that the most important thing was to make sure they get a good night's sleep before they get behind the wheel of a vehicle. I would I would tell a man on school nights, you get the bed, you get a good night's sleep. Friday night, Saturday night, all them and their friends were up all night long playing games at the crack of dawn, what'd they do? get in the car and drive to a restaurant and have breakfast. Boom, they, they've been awake for, for 36 hours straight now. And, 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 and what, what, what are they doing? They're, 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 they're driving a car of all the stupid things I could ever have done. But we live and learn, we do a better job with the next generation. So three causes of deaths have exploded. Suicide, traffic death, and opiate overdoses. And why opiates, prescription opiates have always been there. Why are opiates suddenly the drug of choice? Well, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. The tendons and muscles never get a chance to fully relax. Doc, I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix you, I need a pill, you need more sleep. And you got to knock off those mega doses of caffeine after lunch that are stopping you from getting deep cycle sleep. Another global epidemic are these mega doses of caffeine we're putting in our body. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with a couple of cups of coffee at breakfast, a couple of cups of coffee at tea at lunch, but then switch to decaf, have all you want. But they're greedy. They're not content to just have a couple of cups of coffee a day. They want you to pound down vast quantities of caffeine. Caffeine is a very addictive drug. They well, you're tired. You need your cup of coffee late afternoon to stay oh, awake. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then, you know, just, just the, the energy drinks are condensed poison. We've been at war now for 21 years. We're still in Iraq. We're still in other places around the globe. For the first 15 years of war, the U.S. Armed Forces passed out energy drinks like water. They gave us by the pallets. We gave the troops. Aren't we nice guys? And then about six years ago, two major Department of Defense-wide studies on the energy drinks. Today, for all practical purposes, there is a complete ban on issuing energy drinks to U.S. Armed Forces. Wow. They're like alcohol. They're like cigarettes. You're an adult, want to buy your own, not going to stop you. We'll never do it for you. In an academic environment, the ones pounding down the most energy drinks were the ones with the worst grades. 
in a tactical environment, the one taking the most energy drinks were the ones most likely to nod off on the job. All there is in those things is a mega dose of caffeine and sugar and some stuff to make you metabolize it quickly. It will give you a one hour burst of physical ability. Before a PT test, not a bad idea, but then you crash. The second one feels good for 10 minutes, you crash. Third one feels good for five minutes, you crash. After the first energy drink, all you're doing is building up your tolerance and addiction to caffeine. Uh, there, the, the, this, this stuff that we're doing to our children, this, this industry, like selling tobacco to my dad when he was five years old. Mm -hmm. that's, that's all they want to do. They want to sell their product to children. These, these addictive movies, binge watching TV shows, uh, they, 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 you know, the internet never sleeps. Facebook will never tell you you've been online for 48 hours. The video game industry, the, the, the Netflix will never say you've been online for 48 hours. You've got to go get some sleep. They will never do that. They will fight tooth and nail to sell their addictive, harmful products to children. And the thing to understand is violence is the addictive ingredient. Violence is the nicotine in the cigarette. It's alcohol in the beer. Why? The Why are we addicted to violence? Why do we want to watch that? I've read your book, but I want everybody to yeah. hear this. We are biologically primed to seek survival data. But we were, we're not born with fangs or claws. Our survival tool is our brain. That only humans and primates are truly capable of monkey see, monkey do learning, of learning from other people's experiences. So in the wild, in, in normal life, if there's violence in your environment and you're not immediately personally threatened, your survival demands that you watch it. This is survival data. Violence is happening. And, and our survival brain says we got to watch. Now, what happens is left brain processing shuts down. Fight or flight hormones flood through the brain. We got the brain scans in the book, right? Violent visual imagery has an immediate physiological impact. Rational, logical, predictive left brain processing shuts down. When you're desperately running for your life, fighting for your life, where the meal comes from tomorrow isn't on your radar screen. Uh, and, and, and when kids are in this fight or flight mode, and that's, they're in this constant innovative state. But even when they're watching it, even when it, even when you're watching it, it puts you into fight or flight. And even when you're very young and you don't even really understand what's going on. And perhaps. after you're done watching it, those fight or flight hormones are still flooding through your brain. And then you don't go to sleep. In, in nature, if you're not sleeping, it's because something very bad is happening. You're being chased. You're being stalked. You're hiding. Uh, and, and so the body goes into fear. When, when you're not sleeping, the body goes into survival mode. It sends other signals. You know, fear is the opposite of love. Hate is the opposite of love. Uh, you know, love, you know, the, the Bible tells us that perfect love drives out fear. But, but when we're in a fearful mode, higher cognitive processes like love just, just aren't even there. We're, we're almost cognitively incapable of love when we're in this fearful mode. And, 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 and so this, this dynamic of being sleep deprived and fearful with flight, flight hormones flooding through your brain. And yet we're, we're biologically primed to seek that. It, it's kind of like some, some creature who's primed to, to, you know, to eat a substance until it kills them. In nature, they never get too much of that substance. And so they never, it's never a threat. But now they've got a saturation. You know, we see it with rats and mice. We feed them sugar. I mean, we got sugar water and we got water. They'll drink that sugar water till it kills them. 
they'll grow fat, they'll be obese, they, and they'll die from that sugar water. In nature, they never get enough sugar for it to be a threat to their survival. Mm-hmm. Well, we're biologically primed to seek survival data. And when there's violence in our environment, children of war, they, they are no different than our children are because we expose our children to the same things that children see in war. Yeah. And, and so this, this biological drive to seek survival data is what's killing us. And, and adults can channel it and, and have some, some rational cognitive control over it. Children can't. So why did they want my dad to start smoking when he was five? Because the addictive process is so much more powerful. Why did they want children to play violent video games? Why did they want children to watch violent movies? Because the addictive process is so much more powerful if it begins when we're young. And, and, and that's the, this, this, this toxic industry who is, is systematically fighting tooth and nail to sell their harmful products to children. And, and we, this global epidemic of sleep deprivation, this explosion of violence. You remember the hard thing to explain is not that one in a million terrible crime. The thing that we need to focus on is a 99.9% go a lifetime, never even attempt to take a life. Explain that. And when we know that factors that restrain violence, we know how we can take those factors out. And we know that the, that this sleep deprivation is a key factor in it. And we know that this media violence is a key factor in this equation. And yet we're concealing how bad it has become because they will not acknowledge that medical technology is holding down the murder rate. It's actually much, much worse than it looks. I mean, that's a fundamental truism. Nobody can deny you hear it in one sentence, you got it. Why won't they report that? Why won't they deal with that? Because then we have to confront just how desperately bad the situation has become because of this industry. It's reality and truth. And we don't get a lot of that now. And it's really, really hard to to ferret it out. Um, That's for sure. You know, it's interesting. um, Some some people after the tragedy, I speak to a lot of audiences and they would ask me. um, And I remember actually one woman even um, requesting that I speak to a school board against having an armed SRO, school resource officer. And she literally said to me, you wouldn't have wanted an armed school resource officer at Sandy Hook, would you? I'd like for you to come and and speak to my board about, you know, not having. And I'm just like, I was just like stunned for a minute because it's like, you know who you're talking to? I wouldn't have wanted uh, an armed SRO right at the at the front glass doors to to stop this this mass murderer from from perpetrating one of the worst mass murders in U.S. history. Uh, I couldn't do it. I told her I can't do it. I absolutely can't do it. But you've talked about how you think that that is one of the most important things that we should do. It would cost money. But why do you think that that's one of the number one things that we can do to keep our kids safe? Well, let's talk about first why that lady would think that. Why would she think that cops make it worse? And that's this this defund the police mindset. And remember, when we're two, three, four, five, six years old, what we see on TV is real. Our dreams in real life are all jumbled together. So a generation of children... You know, the, 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 the code said, basically, crime doesn't pay. Law enforcement will not be depicted in a negative manner. A crime will not be depicted in a positive manner. And we turned that on its head. We've made heroes out of, out of killers 
and we'd made the, the cops to be vicious. And I talk about training day, Denzel Washington, training day. He, he plays a bad cop. Denzel's a bad cop. They're all bad. I've seen training day. I was, I was three years old. I watched training day. I know that Denzel Washington, a beloved black actor was a bad cop. Maybe the most evil movie ever made because when kids are two, three, four, five, six years old, they saw Denzel was a bad cop. All cops are bad. I saw it. I personally witnessed it happen. So this media depiction of law enforcement as evil is, is, is created the Steve on the police, this concept. So what I tell people is. I was, just, I was just gonna say, it's interesting because she actually said to me um, that it's gonna be scary for kids to see a police officer with a gun, it's gonna make them more afraid. And so, you know, you're right when you say that, it's not like they're, she's anticipating. And I know that that's not the truth. I know that kids uh, see, see armed police officers and they, they don't look at them the way that we think that they do, that we project on them. She may look at them like that, but the kids don't. Um, they're, they, they, ha they should be, and they are, symbols of safety boom they learn to love that cop they learn to trust that cop and 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 they learn that whenever something bad happens that cop is running towards the danger mm -hmm. you know so there has with with two exceptions there has never been a multiple homicide in a school when there was an armed cop present in the building now columbine never got in the building parkland never got in the building um but the two exceptions are Santa Fe, Texas, and recently Oxford, Michigan. In both cases, there was a cop in the school. As soon as the cop got there, not another kid died. Statistically speaking, I can demonstrate to you that the single best thing we could do to keep our kids safe is to have somebody that's cool that can shoot back. And the crazy part is the crime won't happen because the cop is there. The greatest achievement is a kid we didn't have to shoot, the crime that didn't happen. The bad guy is not looking for a gunfight. He's looking for, for a mass murder. He wants to make a body count. He wants to be famous. You know, go back to the book, uh, you know, uh, Mike Rock, uh, Secret Service Agent, Mass Killers. He talked about how they all have some, some movie that they're fixated on. They've seen a movie a hundred times. The Columbine Killers saw the movie Natural Born Killers over 50 times, and they all want to be famous. They all want that fame. And so they want that body count. If they don't get a body count, then they lose. They don't get the fame. And they're they gonna also, they, a lot of them also want to have uh, suicide by cop. Yeah, so yes. they, they assume that they're yeah. going to be taken and, out. And in the video game, you know, when, when you take your own life, then the cop, you get more points and many of them. And, and so they, there's, there's a lot of crazy dynamics on suicide by cop. Suicide by cop is very seldom homicidal. These people are suicidal. Yes. Uh, and, and right. they, they, they want to die. Mm -hmm. Most often they kill themselves or the cops kill them. And, or at the end, they don't have the courage to kill themselves. It, it's mm -hmm. not that easy to kill yourself. You know, it, it takes this, an incredibly, incredibly warped mindset. But this dynamic that the cops are going to make it less safe, where did that come from? It came from Hollywood. It came from all these movies where the cops are the bad guys and the cops do evil things. And this whole mindset, the cops are the bad guys. When the truth is, statistically speaking, the single best thing you could do is have a cop in the school. The killers, uh, I, I put up a, a statement by the, we had the El Paso Walmart massacre. And this guy put his manifesto up. Mm -hmm. 
And I showed this to Vice President Pence. He said, why wasn't this in the news? Yes, sir, why wasn't this in the news? The guy said, it's not cowardly to seek low-hanging fruit. Yes, it is, you little cowardly puke. He said, he said, don't go to places where they can shoot back. He said, uh, uh, two- An elementary school, like an elementary school? Yes, <laughs> two, and here's what he said, to fulfill your super soldier Call of Duty video game fantasy. He flat said what he's doing. To fulfill your super soldier Call of Duty freaking video game fantasy. He said his manifesto what he's doing. He's looking for he's looking for a weak target, elementary schools so they can't shoot back. Right. You know, and I and I'll tell you, we're on a descent into evil. I, I'll tell you um what and, and by the way, you say that, and I, and I also want to say, you know, like 99.9% .9 of us, we just want to live peaceful yes. lives. And, yes. and then there's that, that yes. small percent. Yes. But, but I firmly believe that that small percent is born just like you and I, just like the 99.9. And, uh, and, and I actually feel compassion for these people. I yes. felt compassion yes. for Adam Lanza because yes. I know that he, to, to be able to perpetrate that horrible of a crime, hurt people, hurt people. He had to have so many unmet needs. And of course it turns out that he did, but we don't focus on, on where we failed these people, where the systems and processes failed these people. We don't want to take responsibility for our failure, which is really what this turns out to be, we want to blame other things and just watch it get worse. But it's not just violence and school violence, it's substance abuse, it's uh, it's mental illness, it's all of these. We focus on the problem while we watch the problem get worse. We do the same thing over and over and I guess we expect a different result, but it doesn't make sense to me. We don't even know what the problem is. We, we have been so, so deceived. And so misrepresented, we got the brain scan study. We got, we got enough research for the state of California to overwhelmingly vote to regulate children's access. You know, Silicon Valley, Hollywood voting to regulate children's access to violent video games. Uh, and, and the data is so overwhelming, but, but we're, we're, being, we're being lied to. We're being distorted that we're the lie that cops are evil, the cops are the bad guys. And so just understand that there are things we can do to make those kids safe. We haven't had a single kid killed in school fire in, in over half a century. Now, half the cost of a modern school building goes into fire code. Fire sprinkler system under pressure for the lifetime of the building, one of the most expensive things in that building. Electrical system run up to fire code, uh, double the electrical system run wiring to all the fire alarms and fire exits and smoke alarms, uh, it, fireproof material for the structure of the building. Uh, we're not even counting the fire hydrants in that huge system of pipes. We're not even counting the fire alarm and a separate network of communication runs through our whole civilization. But half the cost of the school building goes in a fire code. Uh, the single best thing we could do is put a cop in that school to keep our kids safe and to teach them to trust cops and love cops. The cop haters are enraged that there's cops in that school winning their hearts and minds. And, and undoing the lie. They, 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 they intuitively believe that cops are evil and cops are in that school, that's wrong. And so, so thank goodness you were able to 
you know, to, to, what an amazing story that she would come to you of all people and say, you know, you wouldn't want a cop in that school. Yes, yes, we would. We'd give anything on earth. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was shocked. But yeah. I also want you to know there is an incredible uh, fan of yours for sure. He's also part of the Choose Love movement. He's a partner. His name is Lenny O'Keefe, and he is an officer in the Concord Police Department, as is his comfort dog, Liberty. And I had the honor of traveling throughout the state of New Hampshire with him on our Choose Love bus tour and Liberty and watching how, you know, Liberty was just, uh, you know, as Lenny says, Liberty's job is to give and receive love. And so Lenny found the Choose Love movement. It's in a lot of schools in New Hampshire. And he took the online training and he has now created. And I wanted you to know this because I know that you promote um, these comfort dogs. He yes, has sir. created a Choose Love comfort dog program because Choose Love has provided this universal loving language that he can use when he uh, works with kids and big kids when they're you know in extreme situations to be able to help them self-regulate uh, as well as to give and receive love, turning from fear to love. And so we have this Choose Love Comfort Dog Program, which I will send you more information about, which I'm really, I'm really excited. I mean, we have been in classrooms um, with special needs kids, and we've seen uh, one of the kids talk for the first time, uh, and it was, it was Liberty. It was really Liberty, and it's so heartwarming. We traveled with a, with a life-size duck, okay, because Jesse loves these little yellow ducks, it's oh, our logo. So we traveled with a life-size duck and uh, and the duck would enter the room and, and they'd be a little stunned because they weren't uh, expecting it. But then Lenny and Liberty would come in the room and they were like, just didn't even see the duck. It's <laughs> Liberty. <laughs> they were so happy. Yes. So we just, it, we just introduced this to a statewide comfort dog symposium a couple Saturdays ago to almost uh, 50 officers from around the country with comfort dogs, and they loved this. Everyone signed up for more information, and so that's a really positive thing that's happening. You know, that not only is that dog, uh, uh, well, first, the dog is another line of defense. It's another deterrent. Uh, the presence of a dog is something that makes a bad guy think twice. Mm-hmm. But then, and if I were king, I'd put I'd put a dog in every single school in America. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, but what they do for those kids, like you said, it goes beyond just that one time. It, it, I, I had an elementary school principal, who she was, you know, here's a mature lady. She just she was just bubbling. She couldn't stop talking about what that dog was doing in her school. Yeah. She said elementary age kids are giving up their playground time to be the one that grooms the dog. She said, you don't know what it means for elementary age kids to voluntarily give up their recess time. She said, that dog in our, in, in, you know, in different classrooms at different times throughout the day, that dog has transformed our school. Uh, and, 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 she and there's research that. behind that. There's, there's actually research, lots of it on the benefits in so many different ways of having a comfort dog. And, uh, and, it's, every, it's and they're, they're, they're surprisingly expensive. People don't realize. Yeah. But in every town, you will find a Rotary. You will find a Kiwanis. You will find a Lions Club. You will find a major business. Absolutely. Your dog. We are dog crazy. Uh, uh, you know, 
people are more offended by a police canine killed than they are by a police officer killed. I mean, it's true. I mean, dogs are a source as, and a symbol yeah. of unconditional love. I, uh, I came up with my book, the, the Sheepdog Kids book. I and, have uh, I'll get you a copy of it. And it's just a lot of fun. It's about choosing to be the sheepdog instead of the wolf and choosing to protect the flock, mm. about, about okay. choosing to stand up to the bully. And, and, and it's got some deep lines in here. It talks about, you know, the, the sheep will die to protect the ones I love. Only the sheepdog loves enough to die for other people's loved ones. Mm. And, and then, and we talk about how uh, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. Mm. And the kids get that. And we say at the end, we say, this is just a story. And nature, wolves are not really bad. They're an important part of nature. And, and, and they're born that way. And dogs are born that way. And sheep are born that way. And that's all they're ever going to be. But people are different. People could be whatever they want to be. Have you got what it takes to be a sheepdog? And so uh, it's, oh, it's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, we that's one of the fundamental lessons that we teach in the Choose Love movement. It's we call it compassion in action. We have a powerful formula that leads you to thoughtfully responding with love. And compassion in action is having the courage to step outside of your distraction, busyness, even pain and and suffering to help someone else. Compassion is identifying the need and then actively doing something to help ease that need. And there's so much research that shows that when you love and support and heal someone else, you're doing that for yourself. And that is such a fundamental uh, uh, truth. And one that I want all teachers to know as well, that there might be empathy burnout but there is no such thing as compassion fatigue. Compassion strengthens us. We oh, are designed yes. to grow through difficulty. Oh. And when we help others, we help and heal ourselves. It's so important. You know, um, unfortunately, I, we could talk for hours, but I would love to wrap this up today with, uh, especially for teachers that are going back into schools. I know you've talked about the three most important questions that you could ever ask a child. And, uh, and I loved that so much. I was hoping you could talk about that. Well, you know, first off, when we talk to our educators, I, I tell them in the end, we'll educate our children about sleep deprivation. we we'll educate our children about media violence. Well, the only road home is education. Public education, as we know it, is profoundly at risk. If we can't keep those kids safe, then They'll, they'll homeschool, they'll private school, and they will not vote for your school levy. They will not vote for your school bond. Uh, if, if we can't keep those kids safe, and, and for so many kids, school is the only safe place they have. The only good meal they have is at school. If we lose public schools, it'd just be a tragedy against people magnitude. We're not just fighting for our kids' life. We're fighting for our way of life. Mm -hmm. and, and I tell people that, you know, cops can hold back the darkness. Prisons hold in the darkness. Only education can light up the darkness. Mm. Educate our children about, about sleep management and sleep hygiene, you know, sleep in a totally dark room, how, how we're designed to sleep in the dark and, and how that, those bright lights before we go to bed, uh, television and the video games are stopping us from getting good quality sleep and the harm they're doing to us. And that's education. Mm -hmm. But when, when we talk about that, that believe in who you are, the, the only answer is education. We're, well, well, you know, it, 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 in the end, it, we've, we've got to educate a generation and lead us home. And that's what the teachers can do. Their, their superpower is to be able to educate. Mm 
and they're motivated by love. Remember, that we, we, we defeat this evil with love. The opposite of evil is love. Yes. A love for our children, a love for a way of life, a love for our God, for our nation. These are the things that will motivate us. But when we talk about empathy and when we talk about de-escalation, the, 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 this is our newest book on spiritual warfare. Uh, the, the three most important questions you can, you can ask, the three most important sentences you can ask. You know, I, it, I, I really, really uh, like to distill things down to their essence and give you the pure, refined core. When we talk about de-escalation, the core of it revolves around three questions, and three statements. You know, first, please tell me what's wrong. Somebody wants to hear, somebody wants to know, a chance to vent, that, and all of a sudden endorphins are flowing and, and the whole dynamics change. The second one is- Someone cares about me. Somebody right? cares. And, 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 that, and that's the second one. I'm sorry mm. this is happening to you. Mm. Somebody cares. God, I'm, I'm sorry this is happening. And then the final one, I will do anything in my power to help you. Mm. I will do everything in my power to help you. You know, my, my, my wife got health issues a little while back. And I, I said, sweetie, please tell me what's wrong. She said, thank you. <laughs> I never asked that before. I never asked it quite that way. But and I said, you know, it's all you can say. I'm sorry this is happening to you. And you know, the one place where we'll break the bank, the one place where we'll take whatever it takes is with wellness and with health and whatever you need, mobility devices and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. you know? My little granddaughter a while back, she just said, she's crying. Oh, sweetie, please tell me what's wrong. I'm sorry that's happening to you. Grandpa, do anything we can, anything I can, to, and anything in my power to, 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 to make sure that doesn't happen again. And, uh, and, and, and those have such power. Like you said, it's that empathy, it's that caring, it's communication of love. It, it's a communication of your, your, your desire for their wellness. Uh, and and uh, you know, when we look at the whole de-escalation movement, and there's a core of power right there. Now, in order to calm somebody else down, you have to be calm yourself. And, and love defeats fear, right? Remember, you know, perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. And, and, and we defeat evil with love. You know, the opposite of evil is love. But you've got to be calm yourself and your love for that person will center you and it will focus you and it will calm you. And then you're ready for the questions. Please tell me what's wrong. Uh, I'm sorry that's happening to you. I'll do everything in my power mm. to help you. And, and we can send them off to the school with belief in the power of education to change our world and with belief in the tools we have to keep our children safe and to lead us to a safer and better place and yet to deal with them one by one with, with empathy and compassion with the, the three big questions, if you will. That's incredible. And I can validate that uh, with an experience that I had recently in a prison, uh, speaking in a men's prison, and uh, somebody got up and and uh, wanted to talk to me. He had gang tattoos all over him. If you wanted to cast a gang member in a movie, he would be the perfect person. And he told me I brought a gun to school when I was in middle school. I had it in my backpack. He said I was getting bullied and it was my intention to meet the bully after school on the playground. And he literally said, give kind for kind. And he said one of his friends ratted him out and so he was kicked out of school. He said, no one called me from the school to see if I was okay. 
No one ever contacted me. Uh, I never got services, nothing. He said, but you know who was there for me? The gang was there for me. And he said, that's why I'm in here right now. And if I had known that there was an option that I could make a different choice, this is what the prisoners say all the time. It's my, like some of my favorite people to talk to are prisoners because I love seeing the light that turns on in their eyes when they realize that there was a different choice. And when they hear the formula that would have given them the power and the ability to choose, that's where our power lies as human beings, is in our ability to choose between love and fear every day, all day long. Life is our playground to be able to practice and reinforce that within our lives. But um, it's really true. I, I, I was really struck by those three questions. And I think that that would go such a long way. You know, there's this huge kindness movement. And uh, my team knows that sometimes I go on rants. Kindness is wonderful. I don't have a problem with kindness, but I think that caring is kindness squared because oh, it's- oh, I love it. Kindness <laughs> is the second power, right? Kindness is the second power because if you have a week of kindness and you have to do however many acts of kindness, you do it kind of as a, a rote thing and to check off a box, uh, but caring is something different. Caring is, it comes from the heart. It's heartfelt. Uh, and it is more about compassion when you're actually identifying the need. You're not just doing something because that's the thing to do at that time. Um, you know, you I said. Even, you didn't get a chance to talk about the bullying and how the video can empower <laughs> bullying and teach bullying and teach you to take pleasure from other people's suffering. This whole business of the TV shows and the video and the movie, especially the video games, to reward you for inflicting suffering. In healthy play, when somebody gets hurt, the play stops. Right. In the video game, the goal of the play is to inflict suffering on your fellow. And, and we're teaching bullies. So we didn't even get a chance to talk about the bullying and this explosion of bullying. And bullying is the opposite of caring. Yes. And, 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 and it sucks yes. the life out of us. It, 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 it sucks the love out of us. And, yes. and to respond to that bully with love and protection, uh, you know, to be the sheepdog. Uh, and, and, oh, there's so much more. Maybe we'll get a chance another time to talk. We'll about have it. to have a part two. You know, I had somebody that is a, you know, I, I always thought with all of our issues, you know, I, of course, I was first focused on keeping our kids safe. And I thought, wow, we focus on the attack end of the pathway to violence, right? We've got a grievance, but it escalates up into an attack and we're focused on the attack. Why don't we go back to the grievance end oh, and focus oh. on the culture so we can reduce and prevent the grievance before it even starts, or at least give the skills and tools needed to manage that grievance before it escalates into an attack. But then if you wanna go beyond school safety, look at anti-bullying. To me, it's like two double negatives that don't make a positive. Uh, we had a bullying uh, expert on, and she said that when they had the anti-bullying programs in her school, so she grew up just horrifically bullied, and the majority of the story is about that. She turned it around to be an anti-bullying expert, but she said the worst days for her in school were when they taught the anti-bullying because they gave her assailants ideas. They taught them what to do. And then they would, she knew that they would turn around and they would do them on her and they did. And, uh, and so she's, uh, she's kind of taken her experience and, and used that. But, 
it, you know, even, even that. And then how about the war on drugs? You know, we have focused on drugs and we have more drugs than ever before, more, more uh, overdoses than ever before in the history of mankind. And even so we have this violence, we focus on guns, but what's happened to the guns? We have more gun ownership than ever before. It doesn't matter what you think about guns, focusing on guns is driving ownership and we have more violence. So that doesn't really work. It's uh, it's it's our natural, as you said, we're wired to focus on the negative, but what we really need to do is take some of those resources, time, energy, and money and focus on the root cause of the suffering that then leads to all of those issues. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. And, and that's love, the opposite of evil is love. Yes, and, and yes. And love casts out fear. I mean, you, know, you, you defeat you, evil, you defeat fear with love. That's Praise right. God. And you can teach people to be able to choose love. And that's what we're doing at the Choose Love Movement. Um, so it was so nice to talk with you. I would love to do uh, another another hour with you to talk about, you know, other things as well. There's so much we could go over. Um, if, if, uh, you know, people are out there and they're listening, which a lot of people will wondering, you know, you've written so many incredible books. I was on a podcast the other day and they asked me, what are the books you're reading now? And I know they were probably thinking that I was going to, because I'm the founder of the Choose Love movement. I think they were thinking I was going to be talking about poetry or something like that. And I said, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's On Killing <laughs> and Assassination <laughs> Generation. They were like, okay. <laughs> It's not what they expected, but we have to go, we have to go, we actually have to go to the core of why this is happening in order, we have to be courageous, call it what it is, as you say, and figure this out. So which books, so which books, I mean, you've got such an incredible list of resources for us on killing, stop teaching our kids to kill, on combat, assassination generation, uh bulletproof marriage and more which ones well, do we know, but in the end we're in a battle against forces of evil and i and I, I come from a from a faith perspective and on spiritual combat is really at the heart of it all it's the one that on, on spiritual combat i have that obviously Bible. the heart of the matter when i had a chance to put one book in the president's hand i had the chance to put one book in the vice president's hand it was a assassination generation first one that you read it's an, it was incredible uh, and the flow from assassination generation into on killing yes recognized exactly. has been cited over 2300 times in scholarly works worldwide incredible it's required reading and peace studies programs in berkeley last i heard and marine corps commandants required reading you know, how do you how do you how do you get make berkeley and the marine corps happy with the same book you know, just, <laughs> just tell the truth you know, we're, we're all and at one level we're all on the same side yeah, I'm just trying to figure things out. The sheepdog kids book, you know, and, and then when we talk Love about if, if you're a sheepdog and you choose to carry a gun, then explaining that to your children, we've got a book on that. Uh, and 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 so there, there's so much that we do, but I, I would start with assassination generation mm -hmm. uh, on spiritual combat on killing. That's the core mm -hmm. uh, uh, that that I would really recommend for those who want to dig deeper into this subject and uh, but, 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 you know, believe in who you are, believe in what you do, mm -hmm. believe in the power of love. Mm. Truly is the only tool to defeat evil. 
evil is the absence of love, just as darkness is the absence of light. We defeat, we, we, we defeat darkness with the light. We defeat evil with love. And we defeat fear with love. So believe in who you are. Believe in the power of love within each and every one of us and our ability to, to make the world a better place. That's so beautiful. And I believe that we're all the same. We're all the same. There's a lot of focus on how we're different, but in reality, as human beings, we're all the same in the want and need to love and be loved. And, and like you, I also believe that that is the root cause, lack of love of what we're seeing. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say just before you go is that you're from Arkansas <laughs> and I am too. <laughs> you know, I, I always tell everybody, you know, I'm, People, why do we, why do cops keep doing it? Why do teachers keep doing it? Yeah. Well, we, you know, cops are under attack. Recruiting is down. Retention is down. I'll tell you why I do it. Waiting at home for me is my bride of 47 years. We did set up 47th anniversary. Mm, that's cool. uh, she was she was 15. I was 17 when I proposed to her. I wow. Think we, we, we are from Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too. I get it. <laughs> two years later, she married a crazy army paratrooper. Wow. Been in this ride for 47 years, 11 more than life itself. Why do I spend so much time away from her? Because we love our children. Mm -hmm. We love our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. We love our nation. We love our God. Yeah. And, and sacrifice, sacrifice and at, service. At 65 years old, it's my prayer I can keep being on the road for another 20 years. Uh, every day I have the health. Every day somebody wants to hear what God to give. I'm going to do it because I love my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I love my nation. I love my God. Yes. And, and these are the things that will empower us. And that comes back to Arkansas. And, uh, you know, it, 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 uh, uh, it's uh, it's fun to tell Arkansas jokes. Even in Arkansas, they get a kick out of it. You know, not many people can laugh at themselves. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to be able to be out there and to know I have the blessings of my high school sweetheart, my bride of 47 years, to be on the road Incredible. because we believe in what we do. Incredible. Well, we can learn and have learned today so much from you. I encourage everyone to go out and get these books and read them because this will give you an idea of what we can all do. Like we have to take responsibility uh, for the safety and well-being of our kids. That was one of the hardest things for me is to bring my son to school, as his dad says, with a book bag, bring him back in a body bag, and nobody takes responsibility. No one, no one says I'm sorry. And no one, it was just like an anathema, um, but here's your next tax bill, by the way, and you better pay it or we're going to penalize you. And that's the hardest bill for me to pay, by the way, because the majority of our money goes to education. And we do believe that we're going to keep kids safe. And so we need to start doing the right things. We know what they are. We just have to have the courage to think in a different way to do the right thing, and yes, that does take courage, to face the truth, that always uh, also takes courage. I always say that uh, I found the courage to start the Choose Love movement um, with the example of my sons, all of my son. I have a police officer son, uh, and he is a police officer in New Jersey that has taken on fire. Uh, he's He's been shot at. Um, I have another son who's just amazing, uh, his, his, he's JT's, uh, Jesse's older brother. He's the most beautiful person I know inside and out. And then of course, Jesse, who saved nine of his classmates lives before losing his own. That is, uh, as you say, the ultimate act of courage. And we all have to find that we all have the capacity for that courage within us to do the right thing 
and to keep our kids safe. It's our responsibility and we better start right now. There's something that everyone can do. And thank you so much for giving us so many different things that we can be working on. And we will definitely talk again soon for more. That's great. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. All right. It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up if you let it in. Let the